0: MyPillow products come with a 10-year warranty, but they've just announced that they are extending their 60-day money-back guarantee. That's right. Orders placed between now and December 25th will have their 60-day money-back guarantee extended through March 1st, 2023. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square or use the promo code HEIDI to receive the My Pillow Percale sheets for as low as $29.98. Order now because when they're gone, they're gone. Hi, everybody. This is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. We're going to do a little bit of an analysis here at the show today on the red trickle and the fact that conservatives fumbled the ball in the midterm election. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. All right you guys, well we got so much to jump in today so I'm going to go ahead and just start with California's Proposition 1, which passed in the state of California, which will enshrine abortion rights up to the moment of birth for Californians who uh, basically overwhelmingly approved this measure. You guys, I'm sorry. I cannot help but wonder what is going to happen to these states that are absolutely going against what God says about the sanctity of human life, about the sanctity of marriage, And uh, I fear, I frankly fear for this country for where we are right now because of the direction that we're going. Obviously, the midterms were a massive disappointment for conservatives, particularly people like me who were hoping that you guys would get out to the polls and that we would see a sea change in the midterm elections. But unfortunately, that is not what happened. California's Proposition 1 passed. Montana rejected a ballot measure that would require medical care for infants who are born alive, I'm trying to imagine what goes through the mind of a of a living, breathing adult who could go to the polls and say, you know what, if a baby's born alive from a botched abortion, we can just leave it on the table to die. Or if a baby is born actually for any reason and the parents decide, you know what, we just don't. Yeah, not not today. We've changed our mind. And now in Montana, unfortunately, the infant can be left to die. That's exactly what happened in Montana. And Congress right now is at a tipping point. And so I do believe we're going to take back the House, but the Senate is still in question. Uh, Republicans inch closer to a House majority on Wednesday, but control of the Senate is hinging on a few tight races in midterm elections. And these are defying the expectations of sweeping conservative victories. And that's why I wrote in my notes today, uh, this is really more of a red sprinkle. It certainly wasn't the red wave that we were hoping for and that we wanted. And today, as we sort of look at this a little bit and I give you a little bit of an analysis, sort of my analysis, I got to tell you, uh, my heart was heavy, really heavy over uh, what happened in California and particularly uh, heavy over what we saw happen in the midterms with regard to congressional races all around the nation. I thought for sure You know, with the economy absolutely in a free fall, all you got to do is go to the grocery store and you can go, you know what? Things are just not going so good. Uh, We can see disaster happening on our southern border here in Washington state. I just went down to a restaurant supply store for a couple of things before I came to the studio and there is in effect a homeless camp that is massive right outside of this, what used to be a really nice neighborhood. People openly dealing drugs on the street. I have never seen anything like this in my life. And I thought for sure that that the citizens of Washington State would be tired of it, but apparently not tired enough, because we are going to continue what I believe is going to be a slow but steady descent. And I think we are a nation in decline at the moment, and it's it's troubling to me. It's discouraging, and uh, I'm going to keep fighting. And I think that's you know the message that I've been sending voters here. A lot of people asking me what my plans are coming uh, coming up to the next. Uh, election cycle. I don't have any plans when it comes to elections right now. My plan is to seek the Lord and ask for his forgiveness and his protection. Because if the if history is any indication of what happens when nations rebel against God like this, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. And as I'm watching the, the news kind of come in and people, uh, I mean, right now, either party could secure a Senate majority, right? Uh, as of Wednesday, so just yesterday, Uh if 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 there are wins for the Democrats or the Republicans, if either one of them wins, Nevada and Arizona, both of those races up in the air right now, then that party will have control of the Senate, which would it'd be crazy. If if the Democrats get it again, then the check and balance which we were hoping to put on the Biden administration, the Biden regime, is gonna be really hard to pull off. There's a strong possibility that for the second time in two years, the Senate majority is gonna come down to a runoff in Georgia. But I think Republicans are unlikely to take back the Senate because the Georgia Senate race features a very vulnerable and troubled candidate, which is Herschel Walker. And so even though we were widely expected to have historic wins in the House of Representatives and take back the Senate, we're coming up short nearly everywhere. And that's a lot for us to sort of look at and try to figure out. Ben Shapiro gave some commentary. The morning after the election that really uh, mirrored what I was feeling also. And I'm going to give you some of his basic takeaways, and I'll link back to this in the show notes for those of you who want to print it out or take a look at it. And he listed, let me look, Let me see how I count them? There are eight points that he listed. The first one was the Democrats are not going to change course on anything. They wildly outperformed expectations, except in the state of Florida And we saw what happened in Florida with Governor Ron DeSantis. Boy, that was a red crimson wave if ever there was one. They even flipped the deeply blue county of Miami-Dade red. But if you'll notice what DeSantis is doing that the other states are not doing is he's saying that the elections need to be counted on that day. So here in Washington State, we're still waiting to find out results of congressional races and other things like that. We're still waiting. Because we have nothing but mail-in ballots here in Washington. And as far as I'm concerned, mailing ballots, mass mail-in ballots should be illegal. It should be a crime. You can get up off your couch. You can go down to a polling station and you can make your voice heard. We did it for generations in this country. Mail-in ballots are just rife for difficulty and rife for fraud. And I'm sure that that's what's happening across the country in a lot of races. But you can't just look at voter fraud and say that's the only problem. And really, that is the point that Ben Shapiro was trying to make. He was saying, listen, uh, the Democrats are not going to change course on anything, except obviously in the state of Florida. Biden is probably going to be their 2024 nominee. This guy who is obviously mentally unfit for the job. And yet the Democrats seem content. And and uh, I think the public school system has a lot to do with this. I think that the our public universities, who, like I've told you guys for years and years here, are cranking out by the hundreds of thousands every single year, kids who hate this country and do not agree that we are the the most uh, blessed nation on the face of the earth. These are kids who don't understand basic economics. These are kids who believe that men can get pregnant. These are kids who believe that socialism is a good idea and communism didn't really kill anybody. We got issues because our education system is doing what, it, what it's been designed to do. And so now we've got a generation of young people who are voting with this ideology absolutely cemented into their minds and into their hearts. And it really is a terrifying time for the country. Number three, Ben Shapiro said that Republicans wildly underperformed. I completely agree with him. He said heads should roll. I absolutely saw this happen in Washington state and we were just paralyzed here to make any decision that had anything to do uh, with somebody who wasn't affiliated with or endorsed by President Trump. And as I've told you guys many, many times, I was a huge fan of the president. I voted for him in 2016 and again in 2020. If he runs again and that's the option, I'll vote for him again. But we have got to stop hinging every decision that we make. It cannot hinge on what President Trump does or does not think or or who he will or who he will not endorse. And I think that Ben Shapiro and a lot of other people looking at this who really wanted the Republicans to win are going, we got to stop doing this. He said there's a lot of hope for the Republican coalition given their performance with Hispanic and black voters, but their candidate quality was poor and their leadership with these was either absent or counterproductive. Number five, candidate quality matters. Underlying dynamics are not strong enough to drive bad candidates to victory. We've seen this all over the country. Absolutely, this is what happened in the state of Pennsylvania, where uh, Mehmet Oz eventually did lose to Fetterman. This guy, clearly Fetterman has mental problems following his stroke, right? I wish the guy the best. He should not be serving in the United States Senate. And yet that's what we have. Why? Because Trump decided to go in there and endorse Dr. Oz and inject himself into a race that he really shouldn't have injected himself into. And so then you get the the hardcore Republicans who just whatever Trump says and does, that's what they're going to do. Doesn't matter if it's a bad candidate. Doesn't matter if he has no history of voting for conservative values. Trump said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's the hardcore uh, MAGA movement, right? And I'm a fan of the of the MAGA movement, but for goodness sake, you guys, put your thinking caps on. Mehmet Oz was a bad choice to run against Fetterman. And now here we're paying for it, big time. Uh, number six, he said, Donald Trump was a major drag on Republicans from his picks to his antics. Uh, and no, no place was this better seen than two days before the general election when President Trump puts the spotlight on himself and then goes ahead and pokes fun at Ron DeSantis, who was about to uh, to to absolutely kill it in Florida. And yet Trump wanted to turn the the attention to himself. He picked bad candidates. He spent almost no money on his handpicked candidates. And then he proceeded to trash Republicans who lost and didn't sufficiently bend the knee to him. And Ben Shapiro said, and I believe he's completely right, this is going to have impact in 2024. Uh, Seven, the Republican leadership class, paralyzed by the Trump phenomenon, failed to provide any leadership at all. And number eight, except for DeSantis, who was a leader and an excellent candidate and an organizer of his own party, leading Florida to a red tsunami. If we could have followed the lead of Ron DeSantis in Florida, I think we would have seen much better results around the country for conservative values it's amazing to me and i consider i continue to be rather bewildered by what's happening across the country particularly as it relates to the pro-life movement it was shocking what happened in montana but the measure uh failing right to protect the un or the newborns, not even unborns we're talking about infanticide now you guys Wow, abortion. Oh, come on. That's old school. Now we're actually talking about infanticide. And the news is reporting that the pro-life measure would not have prevented Montana residents from receiving abortions. It just would have required that medical care should be provided to an infant who is born alive as a result of either a natural or an induced labor, a failed abortion, or a cesarean section. This measure which would have uh made sure that doctors cared for newborns uh failed by around 20,000 votes so 20,000 people more in Montana that voted said nah we we don't we don't want that it, it it's shocking to me this bill would have required medical care for infants who are born alive and Montana voters rejected it and uh, i spoke to a pro life activist who said that if Montana voters knew what was actually in this bill. They would have passed it overwhelmingly, but the way that it was worded was confusing, which is why I said the other day, you guys, if you don't understand the measure, don't vote because a lot of these things are worded in such a way that they're confusing. The people who put them in that voter's pamphlet, they know exactly what they're doing. We're gonna have to do a better job at understanding what's on the ballot. I know it's an unpopular opinion with a lot of Republicans who want to say that uh, this Trump had nothing to do with what just happened in the in the country with elections. I just don't think that's true because Republicans did pick bad candidates all over the country. Ben Shapiro again saying believing that the fundamentals were all that was necessary to sweep them to victory. Republican leadership failed to intervene in these primaries to the extent necessary to ensure durable general election candidates. So just because you've got a candidate who can make it through the primary. Uh, If they can't make through the general, then you're going to lose the whole enchilada, which is what's been happening all across the country. He goes on to say, these Republican leaders stood uh, stood aside largely out of fear of former President Donald Trump. Trump himself personally intervened in a variety of cases in the primaries, endorsing candidates almost solely on the basis of whether they were sufficiently sycophantic regarding the election of 2020. Those candidates then lost, and then Trump ripped them. Take example, uh, Don Bolduc in New Hampshire. New Hampshire is a toss-up state. Late polls suggested that this Republican, despite his myriad oddities and strong support for Trump's 2020 election fraud claims, might win the race. Instead, he lost by double digits. And what did Trump do? He promptly took to Truth Social to let the world know that this guy deserved it. He said Don Bolduke was a very nice guy, but he lost tonight when he disavowed after his big primary win, his longstanding stance on election fraud in the 2020 presidential primary. Had he stayed strong and true, he would have easily won. Lessons learned. Wow. He also took time to issue a statement celebrating a Democrat that won a seat in Colorado and ripped Republican Joe O'Dea, who would refuse to countenance Trump's election 2020 obsession, saying, and I quote, Joe O'Dea lost big, make America great again. You guys, I've said it before and I'll say it again. We have got to start paying attention to what these candidates actually believe. The Republican Party had one job in the 2020 election cycle, and that was to provide some semblance of leadership. And where they didn't do that, we lost. And where they did do it, we won. I'm going to link back to an article that I've quoted quite a bit today that was written by uh, Ben Shapiro. But I want you guys to pay attention because this is only the first time that this has happened, right, since Trump's stunning loss in 2020. And I think that unless we get our heads screwed on straight and start actually looking for true conservatives, what I told you guys yesterday, we've got to be committed to true conservatism. And if we can't be committed to true conservatism, We're going to continue to stumble and fall all across the country. Uh, Trump taking pot shots at uh, Ron DeSantis, calling him Ron DeSanctimonious. In Georgia, Governor Brian Kemp handily defeated Democrat darling Stacey Abrams, despite Trump's personal attempts to defeat Kemp in his primary again. This was due to Kemp's failure to illegally flip the state to Trump in the 2020 election. Kemp is trusted by the Georgians, and so he won. Ben going on to say that there was a silver lining here for Republicans. Democrats who should have been taught a lesson by voters, were saved by Republican incompetence. And that means that they're gonna continue to double down. President Joe Biden is, barring actual incapacity, the prohibitive 2024 Democratic nominee. And the fundamentals will continue to move against Democrats as they pursue a woker and woker agenda. This means Republicans will get another bite at the apple, but only if they get serious. The time for frivolity is over, the laws of political gravity apply. Nominate good, sober candidates capable of governing and earning the trust of Americans. Pick your culture war battles and hit them hard. Make it hard to vote for Democrats and easy to vote for you. You guys, this isn't hard stuff, but if Republican leadership is unwilling to pursue the obvious, the shipwreck of 2022 is only going to be the beginning. I had a listener write in and she asked me if I believed that America was under judgment. You guys, we have talked about this before on the show, and I believe the massive deception that we're seeing in the culture right now, this ridiculous, absurd, completely unscientific and demonic idea that men can become women simply by giving them hormone blockers or women can become men simply by giving them hormone blockers and and, uh, mastectomies and radical hysterectomies is completely demonic. Uh, in nature, and because Satan cannot force people to do his will, he's going to operate under the guise of, uh, of a lie, right? So deception and temptation, just like he did in the Garden of Eden when he said, you know, did God really say, did God really say if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die? Actually, yes, he did. Did God really say that you've been created male and female in my image? Yes, he actually did. And when individuals and groups and cities or nations follow this demonic, deceptive lead, rather than God, they place themselves under God's judgments. The Bible says, according to Revelation 12, 9 and 20, verse 3, that Satan deceives the whole world. And we're seeing this woke agenda all over the world. And because of his deception, Satan weakens the nations. This is Isaiah fourteen twelve, and he has been absolutely effective in weakening America. And when individuals and groups and cities turn away from God, the Bible says he will judge them according to his righteous character and his moral law. We know from scripture that the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. According to Psalm 11, verse 7, righteous are you, O Lord, and righteous are your judgments. That's Psalm 119. I just spent a weekend in the state of Utah teaching through Psalm 119. If you haven't had a chance to read it lately, go ahead and read it. Uh, For God, righteousness is an attribute. It's an inherent quality. It's not an adherence to laws beyond himself, of which of course there are none. The righteousness of God is defined as intrinsic, it's immutable, it's moral perfection. And he is the one who declares what is good and what is evil. And he judges anything that deviates from what God says is right. So righteousness and justice are related words, right? The first one, righteousness speaks of God's moral character, whereas uh, justice speaks to the actions that flow out of God's character. So whatever God's righteousness requires, his justice executes, either to approve or to reject, to bless or to condemn. According to Genesis 18, 25, God is the judge of all the earth. He's a righteous judge, according to Psalm uh, 7, verse 11. And so it's unimaginable, to serve a God who will not judge sin. And I believe that God has been merciful and patient with the United States. God is not one to judge quickly. The Bible teaches us that he is slow to anger, abounding in love. He's merciful and gracious, according to Psalm 86, verse 15. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger. According to Psalm 145, verse 8, Peter says that God is patient toward us. And he doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. In this way, God is quick to warn and slow to judge. But listen, he will not remain patient forever. All you gotta do is read through the scriptures. Look what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Look what happened to the Canaanites. Look what happened to the Babylonians and to the Egyptians. Uh, Read the story of the Tower of Babel. The book of Obadiah was written against the Edomites. Nahum was written as judgment against the Ninevites. And uh, this is serious business. When Jesus was on the earth at the time of his first coming, he judged the religious leaders of his day. He pronounced judgment upon the nation of Israel for having rejected him as their Messiah. And in the future, according to the Bible, God will judge Gentiles based on how they treat persecuted believers during the tribulation. So God is a God of justice. He's a God of judgment, but he is a righteous judge. And my question, and the reason I guess I bring all this stuff up is that I'm I'm baffled, astounded, bewildered, frustrated, discouraged, and and even angry that our leaders in our churches today are not standing up to this insanity when 90% of the issues that are on the ballot are moral at their root. And 90% of the issues God has already said, this is my standard. Where is the church? Where are the righteous leaders? Where are the men and women of God who will take to the pulpits and stand for righteousness and motivate the people in their churches to actually do something? It's shocking to me. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. The 501c3s and the pastors who cower and hide behind these, the woke churches, the progressive churches, there are very few Jack Hibbs in the United States, very few Rob McCoys, very, very few. And the pastors that are speaking the truth have relatively, for the most part, small congregations, because we are absolutely where Paul told Timothy we would be when he said, Timothy, a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound teaching, but they will turn their ears and listen to whatever tickles their ears. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But he said, Timothy, you're not to be like that. You are to be of sound mind. And that is where we are called to be as children of God right now. I want to encourage you not to be discouraged by what's happening around you. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm telling you guys the truth as uh, as I see it. But as Christians, we have a responsibility not only to speak the truth in love, but we have a responsibility to share the gospel according to Mark sixteen. We're supposed to be making disciples. We're never called to form a nation. So there's nothing in the New Testament that says, hey, you know, form a nation. Although I will say lately, I've been thinking, you know, I I I wouldn't mind like, you know, doing the little commune thing, you know, finding a hundred of my closest friends and saying, how about we purchase, you know, uh, 16,000 acres out in the middle of nowhere and we start growing our own food. <laughs> we get off the internet, you know. I wouldn't mind doing that, except for that's not what we're called to do. Jesus said that we would be in the world, but we would not be of the world. And yet for many, many years now, we have been voting and acting as if uh, it doesn't matter. Here in Washington State, and I haven't looked at the numbers and I'll probably uh, talk more about this next week, but the voter turnout was better here than it's been in a long time, upwards of 40%. But still, you guys, 40%, 40%. If if the church would turn out, if pastors could, uh, could stop worrying about their 501c3s and actually talk about what's happening in the culture and apply the Bible to our lives right now, it would make a difference. We are called to learn God's word and live it as he directs. And so God asks us to help shape the nation in godly ways. And what does this do? This influences its education a sphere, the political sphere, the economic sphere, the social sphere. We are, according to Matthew 5, 14, to be a light in the world. We're not to hide our light. We're to shine the light. And uh, this is the reason that I ran for Congress. This is the reason that I will continue to be a voice for freedom and for liberty and for righteousness. Uh, The Bible says that when the wicked are in power, the righteous groan. And we're in for a couple more years of groaning. Yes, there were some bright spots. Yes, the Republican Party is poised to take back over the House. That will at least help put the brakes a little bit on the wickedness that Joe Biden is uh, planning to continue to move forward here in the United States. But we have an opportunity right now, and I hope you're talking to your pastor. We cannot let this happen in 2024. Now, these people are going to write in to me and say, well, Heidi, you know, uh, this is just Bible prophecy. You can't slow it down. You can't stop it. I completely agree with you that the Bible, there's, the United States is not mentioned in prophecy. It makes you kind of wonder what's going to happen to the United States. We're definitely a nation in decline right now. But there are voices who God has raised up. And I know a lot of you listening to me right now, God's asking you to be a voice. There are voices in the wilderness that God has raised up for such a time as this to speak boldly, to declare the truth and to not shrink away from, from uh, speaking the gospel into the culture. I was talking to my daughter uh, the other day and she was saying, you know, mom, it's, it's the gospel that changes people. And she's absolutely right. It's the gospel that changes people. It's telling people, listen, you are loved. You, there's a God that created you. And the same God that created you has uh, given us rules for living. And he says, hey, here's the boundary. I created you. I understand you. I know your, your comings and your goings. I know what you struggle with. Here's the boundary. Here's the guardrail. Stay inside the guardrail. God's blessings are not found outside of his boundaries. And if we want the blessing of God as a nation, then we need to get back to, uh, to uh, adhering to. And honoring God's boundaries. Thank you guys for listening. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the election. You can reach out to me, HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday, and you can get in touch with me there if you've got questions for mailbox Monday. And of course, for my friend, Dr. Mark Sherwood, we're going to continue to bring him on to answer your medical questions and your nutrition questions. I love having him on and we would love to hear from you again. That's HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday. If you'd like to reach out to me via snail mail, Heidi St. John Podcast Care of Firmly Planted Family, 11100 Northeast 34th Circle, Vancouver, Washington 98682. As always, we'd love to hear from you. If you can support this ministry financially and help us get this podcast out to people just like you, you can help us by leaving reviews for the show over at iTunes or by contributing financially to us at firmlyplantedfamily.org. You guys, we love you. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Continue to be the light that God has called you to be and love your families well. And I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith.